Live from the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, it's the Ramsey Show, where we help people build wealth, do work that they love, and create actual amazing relationships. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, number one best-selling author of the book From Paycheck to Purpose, talking about careers and jobs. He's my sidekick today, my co-host. Open phones here, 888-825-5225. Danielle is in Tampa, Florida. Hi, Danielle. How are you? Uh, kind of stressed out, trying to wrap my mind around a couple of things. <laughs> Ouch, that doesn't sound fun. What's going on, kiddo? Well, I would say 2022, there was a death in the family, and that's kind of where it started. And then um, my fiance uh, was, I guess, was let go from his job because he was having a hard time with the loss. So we all were. And then we decided to start our business. And so business is going fine. And then I got laid off from my full-time job, which was, which was kind of surprising. So now we're at a point where it's like, all right, neither one of us have like the full-time job, but we've just been working our businesses and they've uh, had some pop-up problems here and there. And so it's, definitely causing a lot of issues who passed away i mean no it was uh my fiance's brother's wife okay that's certainly a tragedy a tragedy is certainly a hard thing to get past and that was uh three years ago that was no just last year oh uh, last 22. year okay Mm-hmm. And uh, your fiance. When are you all getting married? How long has he been your fiance? It was supposed to be this July, but I actually got laid off then. So I was like, "Well, they don't let laid off people get married." I mean, I didn't feel like that would make sense to. Uh, it made sense to start a business. Well, we had already had the plans and did everything to start. The yeah. Business. You kind of already had a plan had to get married anyway. Okay. So how much does your fiance make at his job or his business? Well, uh, well, it's our business. It was a, it was a Turo business. And also he has another property where he's a landlord and has tenants. That's not a job. So it is, well, you have one property and tenants that doesn't take 10 minutes. That's not a job. Okay, so how much does he make? Well, he did have a job. No, honey, he started a business. How much money does he make? Um, Nothing. That's what he makes. Okay. Right? You wouldn't be calling me if he was making 100 a year. So I guess just... um, Wait, stop. You just drove past. Stop. Let's stop right where we were. Your fiance mm-hmm. is not making any money. Am I correct? Yes or no? From right now, uh, darling, right now, you got no money because you got laid off and his business is not a business. It's a hobby. He does not make any money. Am I wrong? No. Okay. Yeah, probably right. not much. <laughs> okay. So he needs to get a job and you need to get a job. And all of a yeah. sudden y'all have income. 
mm-hmm. and quit calling this sitting on my butt a business. Mm-hmm. Danielle, you guys are in Tampa, Florida. You guys need to be working multiple jobs if you can't get a right. really good uh, job in the industry that you are in. We need to be bringing in income. This is a game changer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the question on my screen says, how can I handle my finances after losing my job? And the answer is, get six jobs. Mm-hmm. Right. No, we do have, um, we do uh, a Turo. We do. That's where you're um, renting your car out economy. to people? That's like. You're you're just using your car as a rental car, yes? Well, we have actual two cars on the platform that aren't either one of our cars. Right, my, but my point so is, you're in a rental car business, and it's you're, you're not enough margin in that. You're so, not making any money. Yeah, that's not that's not a company. You're oh. using an app to to rent your cars. Right. Well. That's a great side hustle if you've got it and the cars are paid it's, for. It, it, but it's not supposed it's, to be a side hustle. <laughs> right, but we don't need side hustles right now. We need seven side hustles mm-hmm. or six, as Dave said, or, or full-time or, or gigs. full-time job. Mm-hmm. What were you making at your last job? Yeah, I would say about four, four uh, grand a month. Okay. What were you doing? I was doing uh, I was a quality engineering technician. Mm-hmm. And why did they fire you? No, it was a layoff. The whole, the whole shift got laid off, so okay. there was only one shift. Okay. All right. So you need to replace that income with a good core career and quit messing around the side with, I'm a landlord and I rent out my cars and calling that a way to make a living because you're not making a living. You wouldn't have called me if you and your fiancé were making serious bank. So your your problem is not a outgo, I'm struggling with debt, my finances are out of control issue. Your problem is you don't have any income. Mm-hmm. And the great news is there's a tremendous labor shortage in America right now. Yeah, And lots of people hiring. And we're going into Christmas season. Yeah, and listen, Dave, if there are some debt on those cars, which many times people are carrying car payments on these cars and then renting them just like they would do a house, I would sell the cars. Move If the, if you have some equity in those cars, move the cars, get out of the Toro business, get rid of the debt. If you own them free and clear, Danielle, sell them anyway and get yourself some, some a little bit of a cushion, get an emergency fund, get employed, pay off any debt. Work the baby steps. You've got to get out of this Turo business. I just, it long term, it's just not a good play because you've got an asset of a car. It's not an asset. It just continues to go down in value. And you hope that you can rent it out enough to people who fly into Tampa and don't want to rent from any other rental car agency. It just is fraught with all kinds of problems. Your fiance may need to sit down with a good counselor mm. and help him unpack because he might be depressed. Mm. He might be struggling with the grief at a unbelievable level that's affecting his whole life now and he may need to sit down with somebody and unpack that because what i hear in your all's whole story is we want to figure out a way to have money without working that's your whole story that you told me on the phone and and now that i got laid off it kind of oh this doesn't work so you guys have got to go back to work you got to get your career Start bringing home the bacon. 
and sometimes that may be because of the death that you guys have been through and the grieving around that. That's fair. But in the meantime, you got to get your life back, kiddo. This is The Ramsey Show. Hey, listen up. When we invest, most of us have no idea where our money is going. But the reality is your investments could be funding social and cultural causes that you would never choose to support. With Timothy Plan, you can avoid putting your hard-earned money into things you don't approve of and invest in companies that line up with your values. With Timothy Plan's pro-life, pro-family filter, you can invest with moral responsibility while going after competitive returns. So while it's still true that you can't serve God and money, you can make your money serve your values. Contact your financial advisor today to see if Timothy Plan is right for you. Visit timothyplan.com for more information. Investing includes risk, including possible loss of principal. Before investing, carefully consider a fund's investment objective, risks, charges, and expenses contained in the prospectus available at timothyplan.com. Read carefully before investing. Mutual funds distributed by Timothy Partners, LTD, and ETFs distributed by Foresight Fund Services, LSC. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. Paul is in Portland, Oregon. Hey, Paul, welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hey, Dave. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. What's so, up? Uh, my my wife and I, we have a, we own a house. Uh, we refinanced a couple of years ago when interest rates were good and got locked in at around 3%. And now uh, she and I disagree a little bit on how we should use some of our investment money. I think we should put the... Um, put it towards uh, 401k and IRA and other retirement investments, mm-hmm. whereas she would like to pay down the mortgage sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, my philosophy is the uh, 401k and IRA uh, should give a better than a 3% return, so it's a little bit of a better investment in the long run. But I wanted to hear your opinion. Okay. Well, we teach people to do both. And the process that we use has led millions of people into a situation where they're wealthy. Uh, and the process that we call the baby steps. And the first goal is to become debt-free other than your home. That's baby steps one and two. two then three is have an emergency fund of three to six months of expenses. I assume you've done those things before you ask this question. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. You don't have any debt and you have an emergency fund except your house, right? Correct. Okay. And then that brings us to baby steps four, five, and six, which we do simultaneously. Baby step four is put 15% of your income into retirement. First to the match, if there is a match at work, uh, second to Roth, and third to traditional, if it takes that to get up to 15%. Baby step five, while you're doing that, is you start doing something towards kids' college, if that's appropriate. And then six is all other monies that we're not spending on life above 15% going into investments, pay down the home because you want to have both a paid for home and a large nest egg in the 401k. The millionaires that we have studied, those are the two primary things that they did to become millionaires. And we did the largest study of millionaires ever done in North America a couple of years ago. And that was our findings. So, all that to say is you're both right, um, but at, at around those numbers and that structure. So, what's your household income? Uh, it's my income's 110, and hers is variable. It's uh, she's a substitute teacher, so it's a few hundred a month. 
Okay. So, so you make like 130000 a year? Roughly. Yeah. Okay. 15. How old are you? Uh, 31. Okay. 15% of that, if you never do anything else in good mutual funds, in your 401k, in a Roth, with a match, particularly on portion of it, will make you extremely wealthy by the time you're 65 years old, like $10 million is what the math will come out. Okay. Currently, I'm putting uh, 20% with a 4% match. Yeah. All into then what I'm telling you to do is I would back it down to 15 and I'd throw the rest at the mortgage. Okay. And I'd get that house paid off because it's one of the two elements for the first $1 to $5 million of net worth that people come up with. And you get that house paid off, then you don't have any payments. Now you're freeing up your most powerful wealth building tool, which is your income. Meanwhile, you've been getting a match. Meanwhile, you're putting, you know, what? 17,000 bucks a year, 18,000 bucks, 1,500 bucks a month, give or take, is 15% of your all's income. You're going to be unbelievably rich if you never do anything else, but certainly we'll have the house paid for in a few years, and then we'll be able to put even more towards everything, and the whole stinking thing mathematically just blows up in a wonderful way. But uh, So you're both right in that sense. But would I ever uh, never pay extra on the house and keep the home mortgage? No because we found that the typical millionaire doesn't do that. The number of millionaires that we talked to that said, you know, the way I got rich was I didn't ever pay off my house. I put it all into investments. Almost none. Almost none. They did both. They invested, and they got their house paid off. That's the thing we see. That's the two big things. We see other stuff around the edges of it. But that, if you want to plow right through the middle of what these people do, that's it. They get the house paid off, and they invest steadily. Not one or the other. Yeah, and, and by the way, at 31 years of age, I love that we're hearing this question because this is exactly what we look at when we talk to every day millionaire, excuse me, uh, Baby Steps millionaires in our theme hours. And we were on last week together, and just one after another, one after another, they play the long game that we teach. And yeah. this 31-year-old is going to be there. Well, he, you know, we didn't ask about the house value and the balance on it, right. but we're more dealing with the concept. But mathematically, he'll be there in about a decade. Yeah. 41. For his first million. Yeah. yeah. And and then we go from there. So, yeah, that that's a pretty cool place to be. Yeah. Andrew's in Orlando. Hi Andrew, welcome to the Ramsey show. Hi Dave, thanks for having me. Sure, what's up? Uh so I recently got a promotion at my current job. I work in the hospitality field. Um I'm making $18 an hour now. Um and the company I work for is about to see a lot of large growth and uh from now until 2025. Um but I'm interested in possibly going back to school. Um, I do already have two degrees. Um, both are in music performance. I use them for my side hustle where I'm teaching um, marching bands on the side and writing music. But I'm interested in possibly going back to school to get something in the data analytics side of things and to transfer departments in my company into the data analytics side. And I'm just kind of looking for advice as to if I should go back to school or not. Probably not, but I want you to understand why I'm saying that. You don't have to get a four-year degree to get hired into data analytics. There are so many boot camps and certification programs where you can spend a whole lot less money and a lot less time. And that's great for you because you're now a professional and you're in with this company. And I would also tell you that if you find a reputable uh, opportunity and take it to your company leaders and say, hey, I love this company. I'm in the hospitality game right now, but I want to move over into the technology side of this company. I want to be with you guys long term. 
Uh, would you be willing to reimburse or pay for my tuition? And because you are so valuable to them now, and you're going to be adding technology skills, you could very well get this paid for by your company. But even if you didn't, it's a whole lot less money to go get that uh, through a boot camp or through uh, legit programs like Bethel Tech, which we endorse here, uh, than going back to four years of school. You've already done your time with two-year degree. Uh, two degrees. You don't need a full four-year degree in technology to do that work. Yeah, and so that makes complete sense, um, which I'm glad to hear. Uh, with that, um, the company does pay for schooling, but they won't pay for boot camps. I know you said just kind of approach them. Um, uh, I would guess I would have to figure out who to approach within the company. Um, is if they don't, if they would not reimburse it, is that something, um, I know you guys, I, I have about $6,000 of debt right now in credit cards. I know dumb decision would be to go into more debt for more school. Of course. School. Well, first of all, let's, so, so what I would tell you to do is pay off your debt. Uh, the, the technology qualifications and certifications, that's all going to be waiting for you. Uh, you're fine. You're young. You're on your way. You're in with the company you want to be with. This gives you a chance now to show them uh, the value that you have and go ahead and pay off the debt. Pay off the debt and then save up the money or cash flow your way through your budget each month and, and go get the, the, the work done. Because let me tell you something, even if they won't pay for it, uh, you'll get all that money back and then some. Yeah, I, but I, I think... Um I'm going to spend a little time with the folks over in the data side yeah. and say, I'd really like to be over here. I'm about one certification or boot camp away from being valuable to you. If you guys will help me with that, we're going to be game on. Yeah. And, you know, it's uh, – I don't pay for boot camps at Ramsey. I do pay for education at Ramsey. But if you come into our – one of our leaders' office with a reason to do something yeah. that's going to give you – make you more valuable while you're here right we will pay for the tool right. you know i mean we do it all the time and we may be getting hung up too on boot camp i'm using that generally speaking maybe just a certification program just a legitimate program there are legitimate programs that aren't technical boot camps you need to do your research on that do exactly what dave said but take them options and go this program this program and this program cost this much take this amount of time and I want to do it to be on your team. Would you be willing to help me? And I think you're going to be surprised at what you might hear. Yeah, I wouldn't take my first no or a policy decision on that. I'd be knocking on the door till somebody answered. This is The Ramsey Show. Hey guys, it's Rachel Cruz here to tell you about a faith-based alternative to health insurance that can make healthcare more affordable. Christian Healthcare Ministries. CHM allows members to share each other's healthcare costs and it's as easy as one, two, three. Step one, choose the healthcare provider you want. Step two, submit your eligible bills. And step three, get reimbursed. CHM members take care of your eligible medical bills. With no network and the freedom to choose your healthcare provider, CHM is the best option for Christians who want to take care of their families and help other believers. Find out more at chministries.org budget. That's chministries.org budget. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today in the lobby of Ramsey Solutions on the debt-free stage. Abby's with us. Hi, Abby. How are you? Hi. Better than I deserve. How are you? Better than I deserve. Welcome. Where do you live? Frederick, Maryland. Oh, fun. Well, thanks for being with us. Thanks for hanging out. How much debt have you paid off? $67,912. Good for you. And how long did that take? Six years. Good for you. And your range of income during that time? 
44000 to 68000 Okay. And what kind of debt was the 68000 Student loans and a car. Ah, okay. Cool. How old are you? 27. I turned 28 in December. Okay. So this journey starts when you're 21. Yes. Tell us about it. And how'd you get connected to us? Yeah. So back uh, in 2011, when I was in high school, my parents took FPU. And I remember in my bedroom having envelopes on the back of my door where I had to put cash that I would get for allowance and things like that into different categories. Hardcore. Exactly. I know. They're so tough, aren't they? Um, But it, it... invested that principle into me in the beginning and then I went to college and then after college I graduated in 2017 Mm -hmm. and my parents had been starting to take it more seriously and I was unsure exactly of where all my money was going I knew generally how much I should have or how much I was spending but I didn't really know for sure and I was living at home for a few years to help pay off my debt. Um, and so that's where it really started. I wanted to get rid of it right away and not wait till I was in my 40s and 50s to pay all this stuff off when I was single and um, living at home to try to pay off as much as I could. So I got started then and really took it seriously. I took financial peace in 2020. Um, we had to go virtual in March, right? Of when course. COVID started, course, yeah. yeah. So I took that in 2020. And then I've just been getting after it uh, ever since. So that's kind of how I got started. So a lot of this has been the last three years. Yeah, yeah. A big bulk of it has. Absolutely. All right. So you go from high school student where your nerdy dad made you have envelopes on the back of the door. I love nerdy dad. There you go. And uh, but then still go get a car loan and a student loan. Yeah, they. How's were, that happen? They were. They said we were just talking about it before I came on. They were like, "Yeah, we weren't really taking it seriously until about 2017, oh, 2016." So okay, yep, so yep. they were a little, except for the envelope part, they were a little ish. I know exactly. And then that infected you. Yes. Ah, yes. okay. Well, I'll give you a pass then. <laughs> okay, that's cool. It all worked out. All right, and, and but the end of the story is awesome. Yes. Yeah. Very absolutely. Good. Very cool. So I love that this is a six-year journey for someone your age. You stayed with it. Yeah. You didn't get distracted. You know, you stayed with it. Yeah. What's the key? If you were talking to other people your age and they're going, all right, I'm graduating with some student loan debt or maybe they got the car, whatever it is. We have a lot of young people joining mm-hmm. the show all the time. What would you say to them is the key to maybe your generation sticking with this plan? What would you say to them? Yeah, I have two things that come to mind. First of all, my faith is so big to me, and this journey taught me more about God's faithfulness and provision than probably anything else in my life. So realizing mm. that it's not my money, God actually trusts me with this money, and I'm to steward it well. And so if I'm being reckless, that's not being a good steward. So being able to recognize that made it easier for me to be sacrificial and let go of things because it's not mine at the end of the day. Um, but secondly, budgeting is just so important. Like I said, I knew previously, like vaguely how much money I was spending, but once my dad and I put together a little Excel spreadsheet and worked it all out and he got all the formulas for me and everything, um, that budget really, really helps me. And I look forward to it every month. And I tell all my friends, I'm doing my budget this weekend and having to ask my roommates to pay me back money for things so that my budget can be equal to, you know, it's, it's, Um, it's challenging, but it really pays off in the end and being able to say no to things like during COVID, all of my stimulus checks, $1,400 going to advantage hurt, (laughs) but was different than all my other, Mm, was that all that my friends were doing with their stimulus checks and things like that. So I paid during the whole pandemic. Um, so just that self denial of things that you might want right here and now and looking forward to the future. So Mm. 
How's it feel to be free? It feels great. It feels so great with all the student loan stuff coming back and not having a care in the world. I'm like, yeah. not me. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not signed up for your loser plan. Yes, yeah. exactly. I love it. Way I'm to go. trying to tell my friends. I'm like, get on this. You can. I was just texting someone last night. She's making like so much money. I'm like, you could be debt free in a year. Just do it. It's going to be tough. It's going to be hard, but just stick with it and you got it. So I'm trying yeah. to inspire all my friends to get on the train. How are they reacting to the fact that their payments are now due? They're stressed. People are very stressed. I think especially if you weren't paying during the big pause, mm-hmm. it feels like this big boulder coming at you. So they're they're really overwhelmed. And I actually think it's a good um, thing for right now because my dad and I are actually teaching FPU at my church this spring. And I lead a young adults ministry. And so I'm trying to get all of my mm-hmm. friends to come. And I'm like, guys, you can get in control of this. And once you're in control and you know what's going on, your anxiety is going to ease so mm-hmm. much. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. What do you tell people the key to getting out of debt is? Um, that That's sacrifice, being able to deny yourself, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's going to be okay. You don't need everything, <laughs> um, which is a hard concept to learn, um, but it teaches you that you know that self-sacrifice, and again, goes back to my faith that Jesus died for me and denied himself, and so I can deny myself you know, a new pair of shoes or wanting to go on a trip or something like that for a longer goal that's going to be able to let me bless other people Amen. in the long run. So, yeah. Well said. Mm. Very well said. Well, Thank congratulations. Other than mom and dad, who was cheering you on? Um, my brother and sister, Brooks and Emily, mm-hmm. and then my brother-in-law, Scott. Scott watches you all the time. He and I were going back on the phone last night talking about what's he going to say, and he has all your impersonations <laughs> down pat. So, um, there. Oh, my <laughs> impersonation. Yeah. Yeah, he does a good job. He, he really nails it. But So, yeah, my family and then um, my roommates, they all know, and all my friends, really all my friends cheer me on. I don't really have too many people telling me that. I'm crazy or anything like that. So, that's good. Yeah. That's good. It's mm-hmm. one of the reasons you win. You got to be careful who you have around you. Yes, absolutely. Yes, yep. yep. You become who you hang around with. Right. So. Well done. Thank you. Well done. Congratulations. We're proud of you, Hero. Thank you. Very good job. Hey, we've got the Live and Give box for you. That's the Baby Steps Millionaire's book, which is your next stop. Amen. For sure. The Total Money Makeover book and the Financial Peace University membership and all of that will work to help you in the ministry that you're doing and for you to enjoy as well. Thank you. Thanks for making the trip from Maryland. You're a fireball. You're fun. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, it's been awesome. Very well done. Good job on the air. And man, what a great story. At uh, uh, 28 years old, right? 27 right now. I wanted to be debt free before I turned 28. So, yeah. 27 years old. Exactly. 68,000 paid off in six years, making 40 to 68 abby from maryland count it down let's hear a debt-free scream three two one i'm debt-free yeah! what is fascinating about her story if you listen carefully to it and this happens with a lot of debt-free call, scream people that are in here on the stage we hear this often. Uh, she had a six-year journey, but the majority of it was done in three. Mm-hmm. Yep. And what was the difference? Was it the income? No. It was her outlook. When she decided, mm-hmm. I can sacrifice a pair of shoes. I can sacrifice this to get control of my life. I can sacrifice. I can sacrifice. I can do, de- I can do needs and wants are different things. Yeah. I can get control of this. And once she decided that... And then the income came with it too. Mm-hmm. Man, 
the last three years, it's like, yeah. boom! Well, there's something powerful, too. We know this from tons of psychology studies, to put a date on something. Mm-hmm. There's something about, about... 28 years old. Yeah, and that yeah. really motivated her. You could tell that. She she was like, I, oh, I'm not 28 yet, Dave, because I said I was going to be debt-free, and by golly, she did it. Mm-hmm. And there's something powerful about putting... And again, life happens. So I don't want anybody thinking, well, it has to be by that date, but it certainly helps. There's something about seeing the finish line. We know this about runners. I only ran one race, Dave. I retired, you know, because you guilted me into one race. But I learned one thing. Having a mark that you're trying to hit does drive you towards it. You, you want me to get out the world's smallest violin now? <laughs> Where I guilted you he did. into doing he something me incredible. Out. But it was actually great for me. So I learned a lot. who came alongside you in the you last did. mile when you yeah. were struggling I looked to like finish. a wounded wildebeest in those nature shows. And Dave came alongside as I was cramping up and walk, got me through. But setting a time, setting a goal. I'm not sure his feet touched the ground the last mile. I think we carried you. I did. Oh, no. I actually <laughs> ran, but it was it was all guts. And there was no glory, by the way, ever. None. <laughs> oh, bless his heart. This is The Ramsey Show. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. The Ramsey Show question of the day is sponsored by Neighborly, your hub for home services. Take your home's efficiency and style to the next level with convenient solutions from Shelf Genie, Window Genie, and Glass Doctor. Download the Neighborly app now to find and schedule home service professionals near you. Today's question comes from Jeffrey in Connecticut. What are some good careers to transition from being a teacher? I'm in my third year teaching, and I would quit tomorrow if I could. I absolutely adore my students, but the district I work for is making life unbearable. I thought about transitioning in a few years, but at this point, I'm at my breaking point. Well, first, let me let me say sorry, Jeffrey. I, I hear from teachers uh, on my show, The Ken Coleman Show, all the time. I see it on social media. The environment in which our public school teachers are having to teach is absolutely uh, awful in many cases and it is making good men and women like you want to leave a very honorable profession so to ideate here what we want to do is is we want to realize that the reason you want to leave is because you're doing this right thing this thing you love in the wrong place so if you can't stay in actual teaching maybe in a private school environment or maybe in a college environment that might be slightly more uh, advantageous to you as far as students wanting to be there then I would be looking at what you do as a teacher, what you're good at. That's the instructing, the planning, the communicating, the encouraging. And and then write down what you love most about those roles. And what you're going to do is, in this little exercise, is create a job description that's written down and you can see it. And now when you're out there looking for roles, you can begin to match up what you love about teaching, what you're good at in teaching, and you begin to see that you could go into corporate training, you could go into HR work, Uh, You could go into management and leadership. There really is no limit if you understand what you're good at as a teacher and what you enjoy doing as a teacher. And that becomes the job description. And I can tell you this, the private sector uh, is very welcoming to former teachers because you bring such a great mix of talent and experience to the table and you care about people. That's what teaching is about, instructing, influencing so that someone can transform and grow. And so that's what I would be looking for. And if you take the education lens off and just look at what you do, I think you're going to find a lot of opportunities. Yeah, and I would add, uh, while you're working 
towards finding what your work life looks like, your volunteer life could be mm. with the youth group at the church and teaching a Sunday school class to teenagers, teaching lessons at summer camp to teenagers. Um, and, and that might not necessarily be how you earn your living, but it might be an outlet for your gift mm-hmm. as well. Um, in my 20s, I hung out with teenagers all the time. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, I went to the funeral of one of my friends this weekend that was one of the youth leaders mm. um, back then. And a lot of the kids that were there that are now, of wow. course, not kids. Uh, they they're, have children of their own now and that kind of thing. They're older than my kids because they were in those days. And But seeing that whole group of teens that were that we taught – back then and the impact that it's had on their lives hopefully positively but yeah that's uh there's a lot of ways to use your giftings in this but teaching is um for some reason we have declared that teaching is only occurs in the classroom Mm -hmm. and teaching occurs a lot of different places um i'm positive that one of my spiritual gifts is teaching i'm a teacher i teach you guys every day here I teach you with books. I teach you in curriculum. I teach you uh, on this show, um, but convincing you of a new idea, teaching you something you didn't know before. And so that I, that's all I am, is a, just another a glorified teacher. And so uh, it's one of the reasons I get so fired up is if somebody's not learning. <laughs> right. That's right. That's right. So, yeah, you got a lot of opportunity out there, Jeffrey, a lot of things you can go to where you don't have to put up with the uh, garbage being shoveled by your district. Mm -hmm. Jane is in Canada. Hi, Jane. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hello. I'm so thrilled to be on your show. Thank you for having me. How are you guys? Better than I deserve. How can we help? (laughs) Okay. I have a rather complicated um, slash sad but uh, trying to make the both, most of my situation um, situation going on. So my husband passed away in August. Oh, no. What happened? Um, <clears throat> oh, that's a complication. He died of alcoholism. Oh. He died of cirrhosis. I'm sorry. Um, so thank you. He, he was a breadwinner. He at one point made a lot of money, and we had a beautiful renovated house in Toronto, which, we, which I have sold. I couldn't afford to keep it. Mm. Um, so I am left with a chunk of money. Um, I've got two small kids, seven and 12. So I'm a single parent. I'm a classical pianist. Um, so obviously I don't make a ton of money, but, you know, I'm okay. But so I've got about $1.5 million. And my question is, do I put, I live in Toronto, downtown, where I would really like to stay. And I, I know that, you know, I, don't have to stay here, but my kids, I'm trying to minimize their disruption. And also my work is downtown. So for me to buy a house would be about 1.3 and I could do it in cash. But I also know that you're not a fan of my pretty much all of my net worth being in a house. So do you well, think I'm not, that I'm, I should? I'm, I'm a fan of you not having a house payment right now. And Toronto's an excellent <laughs> real estate market. So I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm probably going to try to change my budget on this house from, you know, 1.3 to one or something like that. Let's try mm-hmm. to free up a little bit more of this money and uh, downsize the kids. The disruption to the kids is going to be a lot more severe 
if their mom is stressed out because she gets herself in a financial pinch than based mm-hmm. on where they live. So I'm a mm-hmm. lot more concerned with you building a sustainable life mathematically than I am where you live as far as the okay. children's disruption goes. They don't mm-hmm. know. They don't know. All they're going to know is what you tell them. And believe me, you're going to tell them a lot without telling them a thing if you get financially stressed. So um, let, let's get down on that budget and free up some more of that money. And then also, can your career sustain you guys at that point? Well, here's the complication. is So I'm renting right now, and I know that I've been watching you guys religiously for the last sort of six months that you're in support of me renting short term. Mm-hmm. Um, in a time of stress and transition, but not long-term. But I don't have my piano with me. Where I'm making money is I'm at two different conservatories, downtown Toronto. Mm -hmm. So I could make more money having my piano, Mm -hmm. which is in storage, because I moved from a rather large house to a two-bedroom apartment Mm -hmm. just to get my bearings. Yeah, that's fine. And Um, so when you get a house, you get a piano, and then you can make money giving lessons, I'm guessing, or what? Yes. Okay. That's wonderful. Giving lessons and... Doing it online. You, you, uh, so I was just my guess is with an online lesson program and some in-house uh, lessons that you might make more doing that than you are um, playing in the local orchestra. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I have good potential to make quite a good living. Yeah. Okay. But I need well, let's set, that, let's set up that small business idea as a part of this home purchase, but still it does not have to be. There's no requirement that it's 1.3. That's just where you've landed so far. So the further down you land on that price, the better this idea is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the more you're not going to like it. <laughs> but that's still the direction I would go. I'd try to get down as cheap as I can on the house and still meet these different needs, the location, the uh, size for the piano. That makes a lot of sense. I think she can do really well with that. I think so too. And, and, and because of her cred, you know, she, she's not just someone who has a degree. She knows people, too. Mm-hmm. And so I would really encourage you, Jane, to maximize the relationships that you have because of what you currently do, and they begin to spread the word for you. It's really, really credible. I think you have more business than you'll know what to do with. And I think I would be charging premium, taking your time as you as you move into this new season of life. We're really excited for you uh, because this is a great opportunity for you to reset and rebuild. Yep. Good stuff. If we can help further, you call us anytime. I'm so sorry for your loss. Thanks for calling in. Ken Coleman, that puts this hour of the Ramsey Show in the books. Dave here. You can find all of our shows with the Ramsey Network app on your smartphone. It's the only place to listen to the entire back catalog of episodes. Download the Ramsey Network app in your favorite app store today.